what's up and welcome back to nostalgia pod bringing you part one of a two podcast week we're back dave and i took our summer vacations and uh you gotta wait for a little bit dave you were in iceland what'd you think lovely place lovely place listen to a lot of this music we're going to talk about today in the car on the island of iceland and that was a, a mixed bag of an experience, but we'll get to that in a second. Well, uh, that, that's Dave Martinson. I'm Pat Sheehan. We're bringing you music today. Usually we do music, TV, and movies. But man, Nostalgia wants to get to everything. We, we missed some big albums dropping. Uh, we, we knew that some of them were coming. We didn't expect certain ones to be coming. Um, so we want to play a little catch up here. So we're going to have a music pod this week and then a TV and movie pod following. Um, so hit that subscribe if you're listening on YouTube.com slash NostalgiaPod and watching on YouTube.com slash NostalgiaPod. Or if you're listening on SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod or any other place to listen to your podcast, just follow us along there. Dave, let's... <laughs> it's so funny. We have so many exciting albums to talk about and the place we're starting, I just have no enthusiasm for yeah. Uh, big red machine. Let's let's just get this one out of the way. Not not necessarily that this is a bad album, but it's just yeah, Justin Vernon and Aaron Desner together, and it's like exactly what you expect. I feel like yeah. is that how you felt with this? That that is. You know, I'm already not a national guy, not a Bonnie Vare guy. So combining the two doesn't uh, wet my whistle, as it were, and. You know, listening to this record, this the second big, uh, big red machine album. How long do you think it's going to last? In the car driving around Iceland, it's part of a long trip of me spending a lot of time in the car. More, more dangerous activity to put on such sleepy mid tempo one note music while you're driving long distances. You know, it doesn't uh, keep you that alert and. That is uh, that was that was my fear going in, and that was that was largely realized. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I guess the coolest thing about this is that this is just like the, another another chapter in Aaron Desner's Long Pond Studio. You know, the music studio he has in the Hudson Valley, New York, in yep. his backyard that um, Taylor Swift famously, of course, has recorded at of late. And Taylor shows up on this. That's probably some of the more exciting stuff on mm-hmm. the record. But yeah, it's uh. Like it's, the arrangements, I guess, are pretty and all that, but it's like it's just not my not my style. This this kind of tempo, so I, I was pretty bored with it. Yeah, reading some of the reviews on it, I, I think the the critical reception seems to be, yeah, this is good. A little sleepy, a little foggy, and foggy actually feels like the right word to me um, because I as I'm listening to this, it, I mean the the. The production on it is obviously top notch. Like you said, the mixes are are really well done, but it kind of just feels like you're like walking through a haze from song to song and like there's slight change ups and slight tonal shifts. Um, you get a couple of uh, high profile features, like you mentioned Taylor Swift's on a few tracks. Sharon Bonetton shows up uh, for Hutch, which I, I liked that that song a lot. Ben Howard, which I, mean, I haven't heard much from Ben Howard um, recently kind of coming out for this. So you get a couple of um, like pretty cool uh, moments, but it kind of just feels like a haze in a lot of ways to me. And it's a good haze, but it's not necessarily something that I'm going to be coming back to, especially with these two. I mean, I find the work of the national work of Justin Vernon, obviously as Bonnie Vare, 
Um, but then also just like the production of Aaron Desner on more high profile albums, a lot more interesting recently. So uh, I don't think this is going to be the top of either one of their, their catalogs, so to speak, but anything yeah. that you really liked? Uh, I, I like uh, Magnolia towards the end, mm. just because it sounded a lot different from everything else that came before it. Um, and I guess, you know, the two songs with Taylor, they definitely sound like something that would fit in with folklore and evermore. So that's cool. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, other than that, not, not too much. Yeah, I had the same thought with uh, Renegade. It almost felt like a throwaway from those sessions that they just kind of threw onto this in a sense. Right. Um, I like Touch just because you do get Sharon, Sharon Von Etten on that. And, you know, it seems like anything she does tends to be quality at this point. But yeah, the rest of it just kind of blended together for me. So maybe not the project that we're going to be talking about most. But, you know, the next project we're going to be moving on to from Church's Green Violence. I was really pleasantly surprised with this because I had very muted expectations. I think you know, it, churches to this point. I think this is their uh, is this their fourth album, maybe fifth, fourth, fourth yeah. yeah. And I don't even know if we talked about the last one. If we did, it was really short. We did, yeah. Love is dead from twenty eighteen. That was the first one we talked about, and I, I think basically to this point where like churches is a upbeat poppy group, but not really doing anything that feels exciting. Feels like they're pushing themselves. They're kind of stuck in this like eighties pop sound Um, screen violence. While I think they still maintain a lot of that sound felt a little bit edgier and a little bit more thoughtful um, in terms of where they're going. And I think that obviously centers around the theme of the album, which is, this like horror type theme of, you know, what happens when your, your screens die or, you know, how do they impact your, the things around you? Um, I thought that was a pretty cool and uh, way to go about it. How did you feel about that aspect of screen violence? Yeah, I liked it. I, I also didn't have huge expectations going in, but was pleasantly surprised. And it's probably my favorite church's album overall to your point, the subject matter lyrically is rather dark, which is, I think, a really nice contrast to how expressive a singer Lauren Mayberry is and also just how uh, bouncy the classic church's synth-pop production is. And, you know, reading all the press they've done around this album, churches is, I think, kind of happy to get back to what they used to do before their third album, Love is Dead. Love is Dead was like, you know, they made it with Greg Kirsten. They were trying to get mm-hmm. more mainstream attention. And I thought, you know, I think that the album still had some moments, like Never Say Die comes to mind. But I think they were probably, I guess, displeased with like their, their lyrical accomplishments on that. And they're definitely displeased with their collaboration they did with Marshmallow Here With Me, which is technically their most listened to song. But it felt like a creative... Uh, sacrifice on their part and they i know like they caught a lot of abuse for criticizing marshmallow for working with chris brown right after he worked with them and that was a whole big thing unfortunately but now they're back with this fourth album that they wrote it all by themselves and then ian cook and martin doherty they even did all the mixing themselves so this is truly just an in-house searches thing which makes a lot of sense because it sounds like what they actually want to do. So I, I thought it was operating at a really high level. 
Yeah. And um, I, I, I think this is probably the most complete record that they've had. It's kind of to the point that you were talking about. Um, I think having them be the ones that doing it all in house, I think having a concept that they were working around. And I think having this, like, basically the sound that they were working with, but that they were trying to take in different directions made this feel a lot fresher. Um, and I think that the, it really helped to make something feel cohesive. And uh, I, I got to say, I don't know if there's like a skip on this, on, which is pretty cool. I, I don't know if there's a, necessarily a track that stands out as like, that's by far my favorite. I think there's a couple that stand out as really good tracks, but there's also nothing on here that I'm like, this is a, a shit song from churches, which is yeah. nice because I, I think the last couple albums listening, it was very up and down. They had the hits, but then they had a lot of tracks that just felt like filler or not really uninspired. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, what were the, the moments or the tracks that stood out to you most? Yeah, I agree with, with what you said. It's very consistent, both production wise, but I just think the song quality stays at, you know, a good level the whole time. I really liked final girl um, right in the middle there. Like a lot of like double meaning with that, obviously the final girl trope in horror movies on the surface, but also just uh, Lauren seems to be getting on a lot of uh, like misogyny and culture and like the experience of being a uh, public facing woman and stuff on this album. I think it comes to a head nicely in Final Girl, but I like the last songs. I liked um, Asking for a Friend, like California, uh, How Not to Drown, which is the one um, duet here with Robert Smith. That's the one moment yeah. of someone else doing any writing. Um. Yeah, I, I and oh, lullabies as well. Yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's honestly really rewarding. You know, again, not having any expectations for churches. This is definitely my favorite thing they've done. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed the song "Violent Delights." Felt like a like a spacey type sound uh, in the beginning, which really like stood out to me. Um, asking for a friend, the moment when the drums come in and when. Um, you like you still matter and then like the drums just come in it's like a really like cool production moment like a nice choice um and then uh, you mentioned a couple others but i also wanted to shout out good girls i thought was a a pretty solid track you know overall it just feels uh, it feels to me like uh maybe they're finding something in terms of how they want to go about making music you know maybe not chasing that high like high profile producer but finding like real inspiration and like something fun to like make this like 80s pop sound around so that's i think that's pretty neat um right any last thoughts totally yeah and i mean i think they probably realized that you don't have to cater to everyone they can just cater to themselves and then their actual fans and be very successful group and that's certainly what this album seems to be setting out to accomplish so good for them it's a definitely a I don't want to say like step in the right direction like they were doing some massive wrongs in the past, but just like creatively, just, it definitely feels like a nice, like they've like really laser focused on what they're good at and what they want to do. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Why don't we keep it moving, though, um, to Lord, which, <laughs> you know, when we make the show and, and we're kind of discussing, like, how do we want to have these conversations? Where do we want it to go? we kind of think what's like the record that we're most excited about that we like the most. It's most high profile. Let's save that to the end, kind of build up to it. And most times Lord would be near the end. And 
especially after melodrama which was i think both of uh, on both of our top 10 lists maybe both yeah. our favorite albums of that year is my number two after kendrick uh, stan 2017 yeah. and I, I pretty much we both were like lord is a rocket ship she can't be stopped she's gonna be dominating pop music um and you know all all signs would have said that was a good bet um solar power comes out we heard the single pretty good you know it felt like this like washed out like summery feel to it which i was like okay a little more toned down you know when you're working with jack antonoff at this point and you know after a year of covid i think a lot of people are kind of going in this direction with pop music um wasn't surprised to hear it but then you get a couple of the other singles right you get mood ring thoughts uh thoughts from the nail salon stone of the nail salon stone of the, na- the, the nail salon right and you're you're just kind of like hmm i'm not I'm not sure what's coming here there's an obvious like satirical feel uh, i think in, in the concept but man this album really disappointed me um and uh, that you know and thinking about who else we're talking about today i mean we're going to be getting to halsey and little sims and most of the time we would be you know, putting them earlier in the show because they're not as high profile, but it feels like both of them released an album that I was more excited about than Lord, and I could not be more surprised by that. So I just want to like start it off with like, where were your expectations at going in? And then after listening, where were, where, how are you feeling? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, melodrama album that earned, had a lot of justly earned hype around it, and of course, something that we participated in, as you said. And the hearing these singles with solar power i wasn't being wowed and i was so like the anticipation starts to become apprehension when it is a album movie whatever it is that you're excited about and it's maybe not going to meet those expectations not necessarily the most fair thing to put on the artist but that's just yourself as the the viewer the audience whatever it is so i was like hmm don't know how this is gonna go and i never thought i would say that as you said because there was so much excitement around Lord, but you know, if you if if we actually like take a step back and think about what's happened since Melodrama came out, and like Lord, you know, she toured that album to the end of 2018, but then 1920 and most of 2021, she was completely gone, just chilling in New Zealand. That's a big thing on this album, right? How she's uh, rejected fame, left California, she's back home doing her thing, not on social media, all that. You know, not the most relatable thing or accessible experience than what she was getting out of melodrama, which was much more, I think, easy to understand in terms of like heartbreak and all that. But also, there's just been a lot of like pop convention changes, right? Like since melodrama mm-hmm. came out, there are three Ariana Grande albums that came out, three Taylor Swift albums, Billie Eilish became a thing, Olivia Rodrigo, right? Like there's so much stuff has happened. But also, even in this Lord, um, like what Lord stuff, like her trademarks or after melodrama, a lot like the weirder mannerisms stuff. Well, Billy started doing that. All the stuff with Jack Antonoff and that Sonic uh, uh, idea. Well, we're getting a lot of that now at Lana Del Rey and Claro and uh, Taylor as well. Like Jack, as we know, is omnipresent. So it just seems like Lord's coming back in like a very different pop landscape. But she's also intentionally not giving us any hits this time. There's no green light. There's no perfect places on solar power. So I think you have to really be invested in 
Lord's lyrical aspirations on this album to be into it, you know, because sonically it doesn't sound as uh, revelatory as she used to in 2017, given what else is going on in pop. But also, I just don't think the the records are there this time, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, um, you know, I think Solar Power is by far the best track on this album. And if you had played that single for me and told me this is going to be the best song off Lord's next album, I would have been, I wouldn't have believed you because while Solar Power is, I think, a really strong song, and there's a couple other songs on here that that stand out. Um, I don't think this is, you know, her best work. Obviously, I think there's probably five to maybe seven tracks off melodrama that I would consider stronger than Solar Power. Solar Power still, I think, is really cool because it has that like almost like acoustic, like Rolling Stones type feel, um, which, you know, I think I think is a good lane for her. But man, it just feels like some of the moments on here, you know, that she's like going for to be like these big almost like laugh at this like wellness um wellness right. lifestyle on mood don't ring. actually hit yeah mood ring specifically is almost like so there's no like laugh line about it they're just kind of, she's just kind of like mentioning all these things and it almost becomes a song about wellness culture that wellness culture will like but it's supposed to i think also be satirical but yeah. never actually is satirical i don't know it's a little confusing but then like what is it um What's the one I, I, I for some reason can't find my notes on it, but the one where they at the end, they have the the Robinson doing the airline thing. Uh, uh, secrets, secrets from a, a girl, girl who's seen it, all. seen it all. I mean, what a, like a, a ham fisted moment, you know, to like say, like, pick up your you know emotional baggage at Carousel 2. And like, I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, this is really tough. And it just feels like someone who's young trying to write a song like they're older than they are and uh i felt like i felt like whatever she was going for on a lot of this album just never really actualized in a a big way i mean are there any tracks here that you really would see yourself going back to again yeah there's one track um you're just on the on the robin moment that's actually could have been some like really smart like meta move because laura's clearly approaching her career the way robin did in terms of rejecting mainstream fame and how she's trying to move in and around the pop industry and stuff the song again just doesn't quite come together the same way mood ring she's telling us it's satire and press but like it's not hitting that level that it should and as you said perhaps going too far in the other direction and being um not cutting enough at all i think the one song i really like though is, is the first track the path and I think if the path mm. was a, a single, I would have been like actually very excited about the album, and then even more let down, I suppose. But yeah, I really like the path, like how that builds, um, and you know that, that has that line where she's like, um, "If you're looking for a savior, uh, that's not me," or however she says it, and mm. that that does speak to the rest of the album in terms of what she's trying to get at here. But I actually think that song sounds really good the way like it builds up and her vocals kind of change throughout the song. It reminds me a lot of what she. Uh, did so well on melodrama that people really liked um and there's that and then i guess the end of oceanic feeling i enjoyed a lot but other than that yeah i mean there's, there's just like some touches here like i like the way fallen fruit builds um but yeah i mean i think a thing I, i've heard people talking is is this a happy record or a sad record you mm. know 
And the fact that I don't really know is probably an issue. Yeah. Um, I, I think just in terms of concept, I think Lord almost had too much going on. You know, th- I think what made melodrama great is it explored. It was a breakup album that explored it from a lot of different angles, but kind of had like a central concept that it kept coming back to. Um, whereas this feels like Lord had a lot of different ideas, but maybe none of them actually actualized in the way that she hoped to. So I, I, you know, I was driving, listening to this album again, and I had this thought, Dave, specific to the podcast is Lord the like musical version of Alicia Vikander to us where we like anointed her after, um, yeah, yeah, come on, you know, it's true. We're like, we anointed her as like the queen, the next like great actress, and then had this like dud of a, a run, you know, uh, or at least disappointing couple of films, but now coming back uh, in Green Knight this year. I'm, I mean, you know, Lord's best stuff is ahead of her. It's not like this is going to be the direction her career goes, you but- know, when you said it. I was like, nah, there's no way because Lord was like super, super mainstream and accepted. But I was like, wait a minute, no, Alicia Vikander won an Oscar. Like, yeah, like it's the same thing. Um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess that, that that does track in terms of the themes of the pod here. And the key difference, of course, as you said, Lord is only 24. This is her mm-hmm. third record. She's 24. I'd like to think she might only wait two years till the next one, not four. That'd be a nice touch. Um, that would be either way that would still be another one before she's in her 30s so she's still set up to be a very prolific uh creator and and in the grand scheme of things this will probably be a weird bump a weird footnote in the lord discography when it's all said and done but in terms of living in the moment here it's still uh still still not what i thought was gonna happen yeah yeah i also want to see jack ansonoff we talked about this uh a couple weeks ago but i just want to see him back to making like more exciting stuff again <laughs> it's just yeah. been this like really toned down sound recently from him and, and that's another thing too lord kind of bristled at some of the jack antonoff comments in some of the profiles she did leading up to solar power release you know in terms of like jack and his staples of female pop singers that, and like i understand that like lord wants to have a lot of ownership over what she's done at the end of the day Jack co-wrote, I think, everything on this with with Lord, except for like two tracks. So he's still very present, and like the Jack Sonics still have a through line throughout all this pop music we're talking about. So I understand that she wants to make sure her identity and her contributions are what's rewarded here. But I mean, Jack Antonoff's presence in a lot of the pop music we talk about lately is just kind of hard to deny. And we, as you said, we would like Jack to um, maybe move on in a certain respect to like a lot of his ticks lately. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, I'm not blaming Lord or Jack, either one for how this album turned out. I just don't think, I don't think the records were there at the end, you know, like Lord, Lord's the Royal now, you know, and mm-hmm. she just didn't end up giving us um, the songs that can really speak to that the way she thought she would. So it is what it is. It's yeah. okay. I ended up listening to um, Lover the other day um, from Taylor Swift. And also, you know, uh, obviously playing back some of melodrama and just like green light. Um, you know, I, I forgot that you existed. A down, a downbeat song that is just so much more exciting and fun than a lot of these other sounds that have come out 
from Antonov recently uh, in his production. So uh, he he can. I mean, both of them can get it back, but it's just uh, been a, a bit of a hard stretch for for Jack. But anyways, why don't we switch gears to uh, some different producers? Um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who you know just won an Oscar um, for Soul. Um, probably the mo- most accomplished musical uh, uh, soundtrack scoring uh, people, composers of all time at this point. Maybe not all time, obviously John Williams there, but like they're, they're starting to get up there. Yeah, um, of late anyway, they're clearly yeah. the most prolific. Uh, there, there's right. two Oscars to their name and they're scoring like two, three movies a year. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And obviously, you know, you think about them from Nine Inch Nails, would you have expected them to work with Halsey? Hmm. No, not I guess not, because it's not like they've been super active as the we're going to be the muse for artists, right? Like, I've just been mm-hmm. thinking about them as composers for film at this point, you know? And there's like a Nine Inch Nails EP of what, a few years ago, three, four years ago? But other mm-hmm. than that, I feel like we're not, we're, we're not hearing about Reznor and Ross teaming up with a-list or so-and-so you know that's that hasn't been happening so yeah i definitely didn't see it coming and especially when we talk think about halsey who we've talked about a lot at this point definitely didn't see this turn this direction coming from her either but no. uh, i think both bo- bo- both factors of this it's a welcome surprise yeah you know and I, that's the thing when i when i thought about halsey's reputation and just image as a celebrity she had obviously, I think, moved more into the pops, pop sphere. But when Halsey first like broke out, I really thought about her as like this like punk pop celebrity. The music may not have always been that sound, but that was just kind of the uh, persona that she gave off, at least in my opinion. And so when she had the announcement, right, where she announced her next album, the date it was dropping, but also that Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor were producing it. I was, I was probably similar to you. I was surprised, but I was also really excited because it, this felt like one of the first moves from Halsey that felt intentional about her career direction besides just wanting to make pop hits, right? And that's the thing is, I don't think this record, if I can't have love, I want power, is going to be her most commercially successful album. But I do think this is probably the best music and probably the best album as a whole that she's put out. Not a perfect album anyway, but the music on here is so much more interesting than any of the, any of the stuff we were getting on the past albums, like uh, what Manic from 2020, yeah. Um, even hopeless uh, Fountain Kingdom. Um, you know, I, I, you can check out our review on that, but we weren't big fans, <laughs> I would say. So, um, just really, it's nice to see her going in an intentional direction. Yeah, I agree. Because, like, when we think about Manic, obviously her biggest album to date, largely due to Without Me's presence, her biggest song to date. That album was all over the place in the sense that it was adapting all kinds of pop trends but not actually committing to anything. Right. Now, going, going rock is a bit of a pop trend right now. Look no further mm-hmm. than Machine Gun Kelly or all the, the TikTok kids that are trying to become musical artists like Olivia Rodrigo, Willow, yeah. we talked about right. two weeks ago. Yeah, Chase Hudson, Jane Hustler, all these people, whether they're serious musicians or not, 
becoming a pop punk person is a bit in vogue at this time. And Halsey gave us a taste of this, I think, on Manic with 3AM, which gave me some serious Avril Lavigne vibes at the time. Mm. But this new album is truly committing to like that whole vision. It's it's going way beyond all this dabbling that other pop artists might be doing. And it feels really, I think, genuine. And that's before you factor in that Reznor and Ross are adding, obviously, a lot of credibility to this. But yeah, I, I didn't expect to see Halsey commit to something so um, steadfastly because she hadn't done this before, you know? And yeah, uh, it, it's quite impressive. Yeah. And again, I, I don't think this is a uh, like a no skips album, but I think there's some songs on here that uh, I definitely found myself wanting to play back once the album ended, wanting to hear more of. And I think that really starts with the song Lilith um, track four. And that's not saying any of those other you know first three aren't necessarily good songs. But Lilith, Lilith is the first one that you. I feel like you really get that like uh, punk rock, like post-industrial feel on the track that I just found to be a really exciting mix of Halsey's singing ability mixed with like the Resner Ross touch. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the tradition of the first track has a lot of like cool pianos, kind of some of the stuff you hear more in like uh, more current Nine Inch Nails type production. But Lilith really, um, I thought, stood out to me as the first track that I was like, this is like a, a warring punk song that was really cool. What other moments or tracks did you find yourself gravitating towards? Yeah, for me, so I, I think Girls a Gun right after Lilith uh, stood out to me. But the, the four mm-hmm. track sequence, Darling, One, One, Two, One, Honey, and mm-hmm. Whispers. thought that was really high level. Yeah. And Darling Darling is interesting because I think vocally is the first time Halsey's performance reminds you a bit of what Halsey's done in the past. So it's a little familiar in that regard, but still feels like a piece of this album. That one, one, two, one, honey. Again, sound good. I really like how her, her voice octaves change a little bit throughout these songs. There just there seems to be a lot more going on. And whispers. Um, I mean, the whispering stuff, you know, it's fucking good. It's real good. The, the whispers they are good um <laughs> yeah no i i agree with you I, I thought that that run was pretty strong i even the song before it um you asked for this it has that like kind of like a washed out punk feel that i thought um was a, a really interesting sound for her so you know if you kind of pair that with lilith there's like a seven or eight track run there that really stands out it, songs like the lighthouse sound cool but i don't know if that's really like the best work on the album yeah a bernie um i didn't really like too much but the the fact that we got like a, a whole run in the middle of the album that was just really really strong um i thought it was really impressive and you know in thinking about halsey as an artist i mean she does pretty good numbers just off of her fame and and you know, really strong and, and rabid fan base at this point. But um, it's cool that she's like pushing herself and not getting complacent on, you know, just being able to put out whatever. Um, and I think that's going to obviously for us as people who are looking at this through a critical lens, uh, we are going to appreciate that. But I think her fans will also appreciate that because I have a feeling she's going to keep experimenting with different sounds and 
trying to push her music, which is always exciting for someone of her level. So, yeah, definitely. You know, I feel like I don't have a whole lot more to say. It's just like not something I saw coming. And I think Halsey's definitely presenting herself as a high level pop artist, you know, yeah. after making this. Um, and that that's awesome. And I, I hope it's well received by her fans. You know, I think a big, a big part of this lyrically, and she's talked about this a lot in her press is, uh, you know, her, her recent pregnancy, the birth of her child, um, and how that's changed, how she's moved in the industry and how people have treated her, you know, when she was pregnant and stuff like that. So, um, there's just a lot of ambition with this. So tough to not yeah. admire it. Also, uh, always a good sign when Lindsey Buckingham is willing to hop on and play some chords for you because he doesn't do a lot of work. So if he does, it's usually for uh, a good reason. I'm, I'm sure that was also a bit of the Ross and Reznor, uh, you know, pull there. But mm-hmm. um, give this a spin. Also, we haven't shouted it out, but we are going to have uh, songs from all the albums we've talked about on our Nostalgia Best of 2021 playlist. So check that out. Dave, we're going to talk about three rap albums now to close out the pod. And I actually feel like we're starting with the best one <laughs> because, man, after Gray Area 2019, I saw an album that made my um, top 10 of the year um, and just a really uh, thoughtful, introspective and um, well-made album from a, an up and coming. Uh, I don't think she's London, right? But she's a UK rapper. Um, yeah, she's English. Um, yeah, is she from London? I don't remember. I, I, I think it's one of the other big towns. But anyways, um, Lil Sims dropping. Sometimes I might be an introvert. A uh, an acronym of a of her nickname, Simbi. Uh, Symbiatu is her full first name. Man, this this album blew me away. Honestly, listening to it, and it, we've been waiting for Sims to drop something. Um, I think we both were very high on her as like a, you know, the next uh, coming of, of talent. And man, this just upped that excitement for me. How about for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's really high level, top tier English rapper. And she, she is from London. Uh, she's born in the Islington district of greater London. Uh, Sims notably doesn't get the same commercial attention that, some of her peers in the UK do like Jay Huss, Hedy One, Dave Stormzy. But I definitely think she's on the, on par with Dave and Stormzy in terms of making like really a high level introspective British rap albums. And hopefully in time, she'll get more of that commercial attention because she's getting the critical attention. She's been getting the critical attention for three years at this point, you know? Um, and you know, this comparing this to Gray Area is kind of interesting because I think we're more sample heavy on um, on this new record here. A lot more like sung bridges and stuff like that, and like background vocals and whatnot. Um, I think she might get more in her like aggressive bars bag on Gray Area, but she still wraps her ass off on this oh, new yeah. one. And if you like really sit there and listen to what she's saying, it's, you know, she's got a lot to get off her chest and it's really exciting yeah and you know it it sounds uh, i've used this um a couple of times this descriptor word but like it, th- it sounds theatrical like and it sounds like a movie at times you know it has like the a diamonds are forever type feel with a, a big band you know a lot of horns things like that but just really like 
um, not at all what I was expecting in terms of sound on this. And she blends it all together well because there's even times when you know she's changing up the the uh, the bigness of it. You know, sometimes the songs feel smaller, more intimate, more personal. Something like two worlds apart, um, a little more toned down, a little bit smoother. But something that really just is so impressive because it's just a pleasure to listen to. And there's not really a time on the album when you feel as if things are disjointed. It all flows, but somehow she's like taking you on this ride from big moments to small moments really expertly. And um, uh, this was produced, I think, almost completely by uh, Inflow is the mm-hmm. producer. Same and thing as Gray Area. It just uh, They have... Uh, a great working relationship because i think he really understands what she's going for and is able to like bring that to her and man i I don't know i'm just i did not expect to be uh talking about a drake and a kanye record but be most impressed with little sims album just was not at all what i expected to where i expected to be at today um hit me with the moments that you were most uh taken by i definitely like the beginning more uh right off the bat with introvert the, the snares at the start of that gave me some serious uh, I'll make a man out of you Mulan vibes before the uh, <laughs> yeah. for, for the horns come in to uh, switch it up. But in general, just like the production from Inflow is very, very rich and very um, cinematic, as you said. Um, I like the uh, Cleo soul vocals, both on Introvert as well as Woman, for whatever reason, she's not uh, featured, credited on Introvert. Um and just a lot it's a lot of stuff like that right it's like like the bridges and like the intros of these songs have like these really interesting touches like on um little q part two is like this like la la part it's just like these like sung stuff and it kind of reminds me of like what pete kanye would do right and just bringing in Mm. lots of these this like really intentional arrangements and stuff you know um i think it sounds awesome funny enough uh, emma corin of uh netflix's the crown fame has like some repeat appearances and a lot of these interludes at the end of some tracks. And I don't know if I needed all of that, like we could have kept it moving, but uh, just because I think it distracts from like little Sims, but um, yeah, I think the, the beginning run introvert woman, little Q part two, standing ovation as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of joints on here. Yeah, there are. And, you know, even just uh, kind of looking near the end of the album, the transition of point, Point and kill to fear no man is one of my favorite moments. It, it slides together so perfectly the two songs, but obviously kind of going in these like different directions of, of um, theme. And uh, I don't know, man. Uh, it's it's funny because I, I was thinking, and it's hard it's hard not to listen to Titans like Kanye and Drake. And I hate to keep bringing them into this review, but. I found myself over the last two weeks thinking about like, where, where would these albums fall in my like best of the year, at least in, in terms of hip hop. Cause I kind of then will bring all the different genres that I, I liked in terms of albums together and make my end of year list. I'm still Tyler number one, but man, little Sims, I think is clearly my number two favorite album of this mm. year. And I'm uh, just really, really impressed with her. So I, We'll see if that lasts. You know, I think listenability is a, a major part of it. I found myself going back to um, "Call Me If You Get Lost" a lot, and we'll see if um, sometimes I might be introvert has that same uh, replayability. But yeah, 
just really impressed with her. So uh, looking forward to whatever comes next for her. Hopefully she'll take her time and make something great again. But Dave, we got to get to it. Donda came out. Kanye West. There's so much to talk about. Where do we even start? So much. Where do we even start? (laughs) Jeez. Um, Yeah. So what record is this for Kanye? His 10th solo album? I think so. Yeah, his 10th solo album, Donda, here at last after three listening events. And I think that's a notable thing that people that have been really eagle-eyed, or I don't know, um, their their ears were eagle-eyed um, with these events, is that this is the third version of Donda, at least. You know, mm-hmm. there's been changes. And that's just that's just where Kanye is as a creator at this point. I think we just have to accept this. I'm a right? fix wolves. Right. And and I'm a fix wolves from 2016, Life of Pablo. That feels like ancient history at this point, because for the most part, the Life of Pablo, the vision of that record was discernible from Kanye. And Kanye seemed to still keep his vision straight. Yes, he tweaked wolves. He uh, added St. Pablo to the track list. Did a few other like he swapped in a line here or there. For the most part, though, I think we kind of like overhyped how much editing was really done to T-Lop after it was released. Yeah. Right. But and, and, and you would have actually thought that maybe that had been a, a flash in the pan because we didn't get any of that with Ye or Jesus is King, nor do we get it for any of the other good music albums from 2018 that Kanye was closely associated with, of course, with the Wyoming recording sessions. But then to get to get Donda the way we did, with near nearly what two hours of material and yeah hour 40 right and what 20 hour 48 Jesus hour 48 27 tracks notably four tracks at the end that are part twos effectively just different versions of songs mm-hmm. already on the album that just strikes me as so unkanye like because kanye was the ultimate curator now mm-hmm. he's making an album that's so bloated and long that we have to know what's good and hot. He he didn't already know this himself and tell us what's good. We have to decide mm. ourselves. That is the first time that's happened listening to Kanye. And it just shows that I don't think he can keep his vision straight anymore. And like we, we've known this the past few years, right? Where he makes these albums, sets these deadlines, but he doesn't really make the albums until he tells us he's making the album. And it's like constantly rushed and redone all the time, right? He went through this yeah. with Yandi, which largely leaked in full. Not, he didn't even put it out, right? And I think there's some great records on Yandi, but it is what it is. And I just think we need to shift our expectations a little bit because Kanye also is an old rapper, and there's not exactly a lot of great success for old rappers in their 40s, and especially with everything else that comes with being Kanye West, as we know. Um, you know, I think listening to Donda a few times because I had a lot of time to sit with it. It's just kind of just like I guess like taking a step back and realizing that like okay, yeah, like this we're just in a different phase, and like there's still moments of Kanye brilliance on Donda. Of course there are, and those moments are awesome. And he still gets so much out of his guests. His guests largely show up amazingly on this because that's what he does. Yep. Kanye himself often isn't totally present on his own record, and that's disappointing. Yeah, you know, we've, uh, I feel like we had a similar conversation with the life of Pablo, right? Where uh, that was also like a, 
I think 19 track album. There's a lot of tracks on Life of Pablo. And I think we said like, you know, you could take 12, 10, 12 songs on here and have a really strong Kanye West album. And for me, uh, I look at this album and there's, you know, I think a very strong starting five. And then there's like a, a bunch in the middle that feel a bit forget, forgettable to me. And then there's like a really strong ending right before the part twos. And I'm at, then I'm at this point where I'm like, man, I agree. I think, I, I think he has lost a bit of the like curation ability where he's almost just like got so many ideas, so many things he's trying to talk about that it's hard for him to kind of decide how do I make mesh this all together and how do I make this a strong, just like 10, 12 track album. But at the same time, I also think we haven't gotten music that feels this focused on a solo Kanye project. Hmm. Boy, uh, probably since Pablo. I mean, yeah, uh, yay. Yay itself had maybe a few moments. Uh, God is King, I think is always going to go down as the worst Kanye album, which is, you know, it, not that the tracks are necessarily horrible. There's still a few moments on there too. Um, but yeah, this, there's some, there's some really, really cool Kanye moments on this. It, it's also hard, I think, for me to kind of reconcile. This is obviously like his, almost like his opus at this point. If, if you look at his career, this huge sweeping work with his mom's name as the title. And right. like the, the obviously trying to pay some sort of respect to his mom, make this huge, amazing project, but also make this like a reconciliation, introspective divorce album with his wife, Kim Kardashian, who appeared on the field at Soldier Stadium and they had like a wedding type ceremony. I don't even know how to frame it you know he had uh, the listening the listening parties themselves play a role into how you think about this too as this like it went from being just the field to being him running around in this like weird get up in the second one to then him building a replica of his childhood home and setting it ablaze on stage while Marilyn Manson and baby were present like there's so much going on around this. I found myself missing when Kanye would just make a really good album and drop it. You know, like mm-hmm. when was the last time that happened? Uh, maybe Eight Oasis. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe Jesus. Yeah, but it's it's been a while. It feels like there's always something around it, and mm-hmm. it's hard to like I think make sense of all the subtext all the time. Right, and I think that's the thing too. At the end of the day, the subtext just feels like a grift at this point. Like right. these are just stunts for stunts' sake, and you're Kanye fucking West. You don't need to be doing stunts. Why is the baby and Marilyn Manson there? Especially Marilyn Manson. Are you? Yeah. Like, no one in the music industry is associated, and for good reason. A lot of credible sexual assault charges and heinous shit he's been accused of, yeah. and in the process of going to legal proceedings. It's not like it's just hearsay, right? Why are you uh-huh. associating with Marilyn Manson? The baby, yeah, the baby said some fucked up homophobic shit. He'll be welcomed back. We know that at least. But Marilyn Manson, man, are you fucking serious? Like, honestly, I find that shit more gross than like some of the other stuff, you know? And like, he, and this is the thing with a lot of people, right? Some people don't want to listen to the record anymore, you know? And Donda, really successful. um, Second biggest Spotify opening day with 95 million behind Scorpion, now third 
biggest after um, mm-hmm. Certified Lover Certified Boy. Lover but, Boy. But that's also in only 16 hours because he didn't release it right at midnight. So there's mm-hmm. an appetite for Kanye West, but there's also people that aren't interested anymore, right? And of yeah. course, that's because he said stuff like slavery is a choice. He ran for president, wore a MAGA hat, all that stuff. I can separate that from it and listen to the music, listen to an artist that has brought me so much joy for such a long time. Mm-hmm. I can get over it, but some people can't, and that's fine. But yeah. the stunts, like in the moment, you know, it's like really frustrating, right? Because, like you said, on the record, there's a lot of interesting introspection about his divorce, mm-hmm. about his mom. Although I think, it, I think it's, he kind of gets away from a tribute to his mom on this, to yeah. be honest. Previous versions of the record might have gotten to that more. Now, we got, it's still interesting to hear Kanye grapple with his fame in only mm-hmm. ways he can. And again, it's frustrating that it's distracted from a bloated track list that that hides the best moments throughout it and randomly, of course. And also just the the, the stunts, right? Like the Drake beef still still going. That's fine. I don't care about that. That's fun. You know? Yeah. Shit like, shit like Marilyn Manson. I, I just yeah. Y- you don't understand. Yeah, and it, you know, there there's a really um if you love Kanye and you're listening to this review and you haven't listened to Dissect the podcast, I highly recommend it. They do yeah. a really good job of breaking it good. down. And um, I forgot who it was on their um, Donda review, but talked about the religious themes of, um, you know, like redemption and, uh, you know, wanting to bring in the people who are most outcast. Uh, I can I can understand what Kanye is going for. But I agree. Like when you get to someone like Marilyn Manson and propping him up and uh, you know showing any kind of support for him at this point, you're pretty much just saying that you're an asshole. And yeah. like, yeah, if that's who you want to be, that's fine. But then you can't expect people to just you know jive with it and just to accept it. So uh, I, I agree with you on that. I don't really want to spend too much time on the Marilyn Manson of it all, but mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of getting into the record. I thought after Donda Chant, which is just kind of like a tone setter, you know, kind of whatever for the album. I thought that first stretch of songs is really, really strong. Jail, God Breathe, Off the Grid, and Hurricane, I thought was really, really strong. I mean, Off the Grid, Five Year Foreign just goes fucking bonkers, dude. Like, holy shit. Insane. Five Year Foreign waxed Kanye's ass on his own song. Let's be real. <laughs> Stolen. But he sounds great, you know. We, we we've talked about five EO a bit. People have been excited about five EO four, but that's like the best verse he's ever laid. Yeah, really impressive, hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Jail, I think is, I, I think should have been the tone. It should have been the first track on the album. And Jay coming in on it always just sounds so good with those like screeching guitars, like boom around like that, and then just dropping back out when Jay comes on. Though I think his verse isn't necessarily like top tier Jay Z, it's still a fun verse, man. And the yeah. moment for sounds all, a little Kanye, old, yeah. But calling out Kanye for the red cap and also the this mm. might be the return of the throne. It's just like a it's a cool line. It's they're not going to do another album together. I don't think maybe no. eventually, but uh, Jay Jay doesn't want that. Yeah, I, I guess just per Jay Z standards, like the whole lack of breath control of this might be the rudder of the throne. It's like, yeah, Jay, you sound forty-seven or however old you are. It's like you, you, you used yeah. to be a little higher level in terms of your your spit in there. Um, yeah, I'll be honest, I don't really like Jail that much. Really, it's one of the more popular songs. I don't know. I, I 
what's like the best comparison for that from a past Kanye song? I, it honestly felt a little bit like a trappier, like five, four sound to me. Like yeah. our four or five seconds. Sorry. Four or five yeah. seconds. Yeah. It's the same theme basically. Yeah. Like it's all right. Uh, but um, yeah. I really like off the grid. Five Hurricane, I think is strong. Yeah. I love Hurricane just because Hurricane in the beginning with the weekend, when he, that's just a classic bit of Kanye arrangements where the, the uh, background choir comes in over Abel's vocals and it's um, don't let me drown is the line there. And it's like all together. It's just like this huge maximalist moment. It's just a classic Kanye touch. Yeah. And really cool. And in general, I think the presence of choir on this, you know, keeping the Sunday service vibe that he's been doing for the last few years. I think the choir almost always hits and some of the best yeah. moments throughout the album, honestly. I, I completely agree. And Hurricane, uh, you know, it was probably one of the first tracks I just wanted to go back and listen to over yeah. and over again. Also, Evil Little Baby sounded on. awesome on that. Another great verse. Yep. I agree. Um, I thought Jonah was an okay track. Um, not too bad. But then I, I really didn't find myself getting back into the album until pretty much the end run of um lord i need you through no child left behind and i feel like that's like that's like the heart of the album to me you know where he's being introspective about his upbringing about his fame about his divorce um and i think you get a lot of really strong moments uh, on that ending and it almost feels like maybe if you had picked a couple of these ones in the middle i thought moon with cuddy was nice although for cuddy kanye collab like bottom tier in my opinion but yeah that's a skip yeah. for me um but then uh, you know i think that i think that there's a, a more cohesive project here that just got bloated down by a couple of these middle runs any in the middle that you actually liked i like 24 just because there's a lot of choir on that one um yeah. remote control is a great example of what a past version of donda could have been because that one was really widely celebrated for a cutty feature that it's no longer present you know Alas, um, what's the one with the Griselda dudes? Um, hmm. keep my spirit alive. You got West Side Gun, you got Conway, uh, showing up towards the end there. But that was that was that was cool. Nice look for them. Um, and in general, I like most of the guests, like even on some like OK, OK, which the second best Fabio feature on there, but also Yachty. I thought Yachty sounded pretty good. Um, it, it is kind of weird though to hear Kanye with a lot of like rap guests on his album just because Kanye as a rapper like in terms of like putting bars together is not where he once was therefore the best moments on this for him as a performer is where as you said when he's talking about his divorce and stuff like that because like bar for bar he's not like he actually can't stand up with little baby anymore which is a funny thing to think about you know yeah. and he also can't sing that great which is, yeah. it's funny. It's like, what does Kanye do well? He, he's he's a producer, really, at this point, but yeah. a great producer, a great curator. Um, yeah, you know, I, we're we're gonna do Kanye rankings, so I don't want to like necessarily get to that point. But do you think this is an album you'll find your, your, yourself going back to a lot this year? Just a few tracks, I think. Uh, Hurricane. Okay, okay. Like new again, again. Choir, so uplifting. And then I also love Pure Souls. Amazing Roddy Rich feature. Um, yeah. I don't love Jail too much. I know other people do. Um, a lot of people like No Child Left Behind. Come to Life is probably 
one of my favorite tracks. Um, I think it's just like one of the most beautiful songs he's made. It, it, you know, the piano overlays are, are really cool in that. And, um, obviously, that's probably the track that people associate most with his uh, reconciliation with Kim Kardashian at this point. So, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, t- yeah, tell the vision on here was just a brief pop smoke feature that's basically a flip of the. Kanye feature yeah. on the second pop posh was albums like why is that there this is completely neat and unnecessary you know um the song with travis and baby keem uh praise god uh baby keem's verse is very bad definitely even punching way below his weight in terms of like r- weird ass rhymes and stuff um yeah you know like on jonah vori who's a frequent guest on this he's i think just okay on that hook you know and like yeah little dirk on there chicago connection kind of funny to see dirk pop up on donda after he released a song called kanye crazy less than a year ago um mm-hmm. but yeah i i don't i don't think i'm gonna go back to it all that much just because the blow is so overwhelming you know yeah and i saw people say it's like oh we'll just make the playlist of your version of donda and it's like no I'm not going to do that because that's that's not, not the point. what I'm supposed to want from a Kanye West album. He's supposed to make the, the good album, and I listen to that. I'm not supposed yep. to decide what's good, you know? It's exactly. Very, very frustrating. Yeah. Well, what do you think the legacy of, of this whole rollout's going to be? I, I think, if, if anything, we might see more artists of Kanye's stature, people like Drake. I could see I, he obviously didn't do this for Certified Lover Boy, but couldn't you see Drake doing like, big listening parties in the future uh, using the anticipation of a new album as something to propel some sort of financial gain. Cause he made a lot of money off these yeah. listening parties. He did. So he said Apple, Apple streaming records, all that. Yeah. Uh, doesn't seem like something Kendrick would do. Doesn't seem like something no. Frank would do. I think, I think Travis Scott would do it. Yeah. That, that one adds up. Yeah. I was trying to, trying to go through the run of like who, who would do this? Yep. Rihanna, no, I don't think so. You know, it's uh, like I wouldn't put it past Rihanna. She's she's a billionaire now. I, I she'll do whatever I think if she'll bring her. You know, Frank Frank in. does do blonded radio on uh Apple. That beats you know beats one. So maybe something of this ilk he would consider. But I mean, the grand scale of doing these in arenas kind of precludes itself to only a handful of artists anyway, and you have to kind of be quite uh, into it into yourself as Kanye is to, to pull it off, honestly, you know, cause he didn't finish the record for a month and he was still telling us all about it along the way. I don't know who else is really that into that. Yeah. May, maybe Travis will do something with utopia. That, that That's an interesting idea. Yeah. We'll see. Um, anyways, we, we didn't really talk too much about the Kanye Drake beef and obviously there, there's a lot there over this time around. We had um, uh, obviously some drama around, um, you know, Pusha T and Drake and Kanye around the last Kanye album releases. It's mm-hmm. feels like a lifetime ago, honestly. But yeah, you know, I, I guess if you had to boil it down, Dave, how would you describe this this drama this time between them? I mean, it's just like a cold war at this point, you know. Especially because Drake seems largely ambivalent to it until he kind of throws off his own grenades once again, kind of taking the push of T roll. Um, about a month ago on Betrayal, his feature on Trippy Red's latest album, which I actually liked quite a bit, 
uh, Drake says something along the lines of dudes I'm beefing with that I hardly know, 44, 45, they burned out, let it go, something like that. Obviously directly mm-hmm. talking about Kanye and Pusha. And then after Donda came out, Drake leaked a cut Kanye West Donda song called Life of the Party on Sirius XM recently. I believe it was over the weekend. Uh, and that features an Andre 3000 verse. But the reason Drake leaked it is because Kanye was directly referencing, uh, you know, the, the drama he has with Drake in terms of like how they go back and forth in the text and people that are in both their circles, like Virgil Abloh, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't know, like, what's the end game here? Some people are saying that Drake's trying to antagonize Kanye into like biting back that way Drake can like release some diss he has in the lab ready to let it go I don't know Drake might be just having some fun because neither of them need the promo you know it also doesn't hurt them you know like yeah I definitely think Kanye benefited I think from it um and people you know there, there was also the drama about like Kanye is waiting to release Donda because he knows Certified Lover Boy is going to be dropped soon. He wants to drop at the same time to see who wins the weekend or something like that. Who's the bigger star was one of the things. And, you know, prior to Certified Lover Boy being dropped, there was a rumor going around that Certified Lover Boy opens up with a voicemail from Kanye West talking about how Drake fucks all of Kim Kardashian's friends, things like that. And I'm just like... First of all, I I heard the voicemail. If that's a real voicemail, these rappers need to stop leaving voicemails like what what would ever be the reason to leave a voicemail talk about that but second it's like it's all like petty stuff and like you said that this is like fun drama between them because they're both so high profile neither one of them needs either one to to be successful but it is kind of like you know all of rising tide lifts all boats type of thing like if they're getting the attention they're both getting the attention so yeah I don't know. Then, then the album finally comes. <laughs> it's an hour and a half. The, Drake and Kanye made us listen to over three hours of music, which I'm, I'm not complaining too much, but we do live in a period where brevity is celebrated a lot of the time. You know, Pair this with uh, Little Sims uh, album, and we had over four hours of music to listen to mm-hmm. for three albums. So that's, that's pretty tough. Anyways, Certified Lover Boy. What are your thoughts? Good, bad, in between? In between. You would have thought Drake would have learned something from Scorpion. Scorpion. Why? An album that is an hour and a half as well. 25 tracks. Also features the biggest hit of Drake's career. Second biggest hit, God's Plan. Two other massive tracks. Nice for what in my feelings. And yet, Drake didn't learn from that he released clb 21 tracks but an hour and 26 minutes and i heard i think i heard someone put it in a great way if drake had another god's plan you would have heard it by now there is no massive banger on clb even laugh now cry later his loose single with little dirt from 2020 is not even here drake released a 90 minute album that has a lot of good stuff on it, but is largely missing the big hits we associate with Drake at the top of the rap game. And I find that very interesting. And like Donda, you got to sift through yeah. the muck 
to get what you like. Mm -hmm. Now for Drake, we don't hold Drake to the same album creating standards as Kanye, right? So to get a bloated album from Drake, okay, well, we've gotten them before. So it's not like the most surprising thing in the world, nor the most disappointing thing to me. That being said, I think a lot of people, including myself, had put a lot on this album because after Dark Lane demo tapes, after Scary Hours 2, after Laugh Now Cry Later, and you know, even the pop star song he did with Khaled, like my anticipation for this new Drake album. And yet, yeah, there wasn't another God's plan coming. But God's plan to the other side of the coin, not the most you know, introspective Drake. So I'm not, not, not exactly a, a shining example of Drake's pen game, right? We get some more of that on this, right? This is more about Drake, Drake the rapper, rapper's rapper on here, which has always been one of his most underrated skills is that he actually is a very good rapper, you know? Yeah. And I think that's something you got to reckon with on this, right? Like, this is actually for, I think, the repeat listener. This is for, you know, not topping the Billboard chart. It'll still, it'll still top it. Like, uh, girls, Girls, one girls, with a little baby set the Spotify single day song record. I don't think the song's any good, but <laughs> that's going to be the hit off this. But I don't think that really s- stands up to Drake's other hits. So we have to look for Drake as the rapper on this. So very interesting. Yeah, you know, you said you, you thought Drake would have learned. I, and I don't see why. Scorpion was certified platinum before it even was released based on the singles that were on it like you like you said god plan really buoyed that a lot um but i mean i don't know if there's for him and you mentioned it was one of the biggest spotify streaming days of all time i think it was now it's number two maybe number one but it's uh there's nothing to learn from it other than yeah you release a lot of tracks and people play a lot of tracks and get your numbers up um so for him i I don't i don't I didn't expect anything less. It's just, I was hoping to get, I think more songs I was super excited about from this. And it's funny. I I leave myself just thinking about like, I do think Drake as a person and Drake as a performer are separate. Whereas with Kanye, I don't think that I think at this point he's kind of lost in this amalgamation of Kanye, but Drake, I think is very aware of like, some of the stupid shit he pulls and just how stupid it is, but it's just like, who cares? Cause I'm Drake and I don't really need you. I don't care what you think about me. Look no further than the dog shit album cover for certified lover boy. Like that is so beneath Drake, Yeah, but he did it anyway. All these pregnant emojis, you know, he's third and turning 35 next month. It's not like he's young. But I actually feel like the, the point I'm trying to make is that I agree with that too, but is almost highlighted even better on the album by the song No Friends in the Industry, right? Where he's talking about, you know, my, my real friends aren't people that I compete with. I don't ever want to keep my enemies as my friends. Everybody's my enemy. Meanwhile, the best songs on this are features, and there's dozens of features on this album. No, And he got a Beatles sample that was cleared. Like, a fucking Beatles sample cleared on a Drake album, and no, no, no friends in the industry. No one helping Drake out. No one looking out for good old Drizzy. I just thought that was like, <laughs> man, this this guy is just like does not care, which is was where I. Well, and that, that's the thing too. It's like no friends in the industry is probably like engineered in the lab for yeah. the Instagram caption, the lauded Drake lyric as Instagram caption. There's plenty more 100%. of those on this, you know. But you would think like you know Drake Drake is so far above everything at this point. 
that I wish he would, I don't want to say grow up because he shows a lot of his, his age in a good way on the more introspective rap cuts, but like he just can't seem to quit some of the, like the nonsense stuff either. And it's all harmless at the end of the day. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But I think I just wish he would evolve a little bit more. When you talk about that nonsense, are you talking about the first single way too sexy? Which is pretty much just the TikTok song, right? Like, uh, completely made just to be played on TikTok uh, with hot girls twerking to it, right? Yeah, and I actually think Future sounds sounds good on that, but the song itself is quite quite trash, honestly. Um, yeah, you sampled right said Fred, cool, but like you didn't do it in a good way. Who cares? Yeah, no. Um, I thought in the Bible with Dirk and Giveon also another low light. Um, on the same side of the other side of the coin, Knife Talk, Project Pat, 21 Savage. That song's fucking flames, man. 21 comes yeah. in like three different times on that track. Truly a great feature from him. So you know how we got the the Drake future collaboration? I forget what, what was it called? Um Well Time to Be Alive. Yes, thank you. Why don't why isn't 21 Savage and Drake just make an album at this point? I mean, we heard them on what a slide, which is uh, I mean, one of our favorite songs of last mm. year. Uh, Mr. Right Now, you mean? Yeah, Mr. Right Now. Thank you. Mm. Um, Knife Talk. Um, yes. Obviously, Complete Flames. They sound great together. I think Savage brings out something in Drake. And uh, I think their vocals together just seem to really fit. Like, Drake is such a high register and Savage so low that they really yeah. like mesh. It's just they feel like a good fit. Yeah, you know, and it is. I, I do like hearing Drake do some like real trap once in a while, and he seems to do mm-hmm. it the best when he's doing it with Twenty One. Um, yeah, I mean that 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 would be awesome, no question. You know, he's yeah, Twenty One's made a record with Offset, but doing it with Drake that'd be that that'd be something. But you know, I don't know, like, yeah, man, that does Drake great. get out of that? I think is the question, yeah. right? Yeah, like I would love to see that for Savage. <laughs> yeah, that'd be sick. That'd be sick. Um, what other tracks did you like? Yeah, so I think the best track easily is 7 a.m. on Bridal Path. Oh, yeah. Any song with time in the title from Drake is good. Long <laughs> history of that. People know this. But this is one of the best he's ever done, honestly. Just Drake showing that he is a good-ass rapper. Great writer. You know, he talked about this on Scary Hours 2 with um, Lemon Pepper Freestyle with Ricky Ross. You know, it's like... Mm-hmm. Drake can really get in his bag and really show you what he can do. And a song like that is just like, like just goes and goes and goes, you know, and I love that from Drake. And I just wish we had more of that, you know, because it's like there wasn't some obvious radio smash in this. So can we not waste our time with some shitty ones like the one with Little Baby, you know, like just just make some rapping ass shit, man. This, this 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 will shut everyone up who still yeah. gives you shit about being a writer or not being a good writer, you know? It's like Yeah, d- uh, didn't seven AM on Bridal Path like just bring you back to like take care? Like I don't sure. know. That, that was a yeah. sense I got right around when five AM in Toronto came out, you know? Yeah, exactly right, exactly. But yeah, I, that was a that was like the clear best track to me. It just sounded like he had the most to say, um, and cohesively say it on, on that. Um I also really like the remorse, the last track, similar yeah. sentiment of Drake just rapping. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's funny because I'm I'm jumping through the, the the tracks and the songs that like stood out. Like 
it's hard for me to look at this and be like, oh, that's that's a top tier Drake song. But like, you only live twice. You have Little Wayne and Rick Ross. I mean, Little Wayne just talking nonsense on this. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, I, I think it's still a really fun song. The production on that's really like upbeat and bouncy. Um, uh, I am Y two with uh, Cuddy. I thought was okay. Like again, I think, Cuddy, it, I think it's better than Cuddy and on Donda. Right. Yeah, I agree. But I, I feel like Cuddy's just not like operating top tier on that, which is kind of surprising. Maybe it's just how he's used. And then Love All with Jay-Z, I didn't like. Um, Fair Trade with Travis Scott just becomes a Travis Scott song. It should just be yeah. two songs. Like, Right. I actually think Travis, uh, once he like gets past like, the like whispery vocals, once he like gets mm-hmm. up to full register, Travis sounds pretty good on that. But Agreed. yeah, it's a little, little disjointed. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, there wasn't a lot that I like left with here being like, oh, this is really strong. I mean, I think Poppy's Home is probably my second yeah. favorite track. Just the way the, the song is produced and like yeah. put together is really great. Yeah. I also think Champagne Poetry is a strong intro. Drake has a lot of good intros, and I think that's definitely in the top half of his album intros. Um, yeah, also sampling Michelle by the Beatles is not something I would expect, but Michelle's like a fairly deep Beatles guy, I feel like. So mm-hmm. good for him. Yeah, I mean, the other side of the coin, TSU technically samples or credits R. Kelly because, uh, as Forty recently explained, uh, they wanted to get this like Ron C. quote, which is the beginning of the track, this you know, like, spoken word thing. And apparently in that, that recording, an R. Kelly song is playing in the background. You faintly hear it, but when it came to clearances, they had to technically clear it with R. Kelly, R. Kelly's management, right? So that's been getting a lot of headlines right in the grand scheme of things because you don't actually hear anything from R. Kelly. I think it might not be as worse as say when he actually had a feature for Michael Jackson on Scorpion, you know? So, but that, that's a headline recently. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really put much thought into this, but where does this fall on your Drake Drake rankings as an album lower bottom tier? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Disappointing. Disappointing. <laughs> we're both on the same page with this i think it's you know when you have kanye and drake dropping albums back to back weeks you kind of think like here we go this is going to be like a great stretch and to kind of walk away being like eh, both of them just aren't at the same level that they've been not that they can't get back there necessarily but they're just not the same level that they've been it's just a little disappointing so yeah good thing about drake is you know we'll hear from drake again very soon Again, like like last year, right? Laugh now, cry later comes out as a loose single, right after Dark Lane demo tapes came out. So like Drake will be around. I'm sure we'll get something again. But yeah, yep. I mean, this is a long bloated album that's lacking the top tier hits. Got some really good rap cuts on it, but that's just a few cuts of a 90 minute album. So as albums go, this goes towards the bottom of his pile, and that's that's annoying. <laughs> You know, yep. Tyler, Tyler Creator, fucking lapped the field so far. You know, him and Little Sims and Brockhampton and Dave, Tiny and 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 Drake aren't touching those albums. You know, and who would have thought that? You know, maybe 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 you'd think that about one of them, but to have both of them largely make the same album with the same problems, like wild shit, honestly. Yeah, it's it's definitely kind of crazy. I'm trying to think like. Who else are we looking forward to for rappers for this year? Maybe a Kendrick album. 
Maybe. We have uh, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pock, but I'm not going to. That you was know, delayed until 2022, actually. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we know we get Baby Keem coming. I'm not holding him up to this high standard, of course, <laughs> but it seems like Kendrick with PG Lang and Baby Keem seems to be gearing up. So we'll, we'll be getting Kendrick in the near future, it feels like. Other than that, I mean, I don't think Travis Scott's Utopia is remotely close. But that 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 one and the if we ever get the Cardi B sophomore album, you know, like uh, that's about it. Honestly, like, I'm looking forward to the next Roddy Rich record. I'm looking forward to the next YBN Corday album, you know. But yep. Um, and of course Rihanna and Frank, if they ever do anything ever again, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe we'll get an Earl, but he just kind of pops up whenever he wants to. He's due. Right. And I, I'm very much anticipating the next ASAP Rocky album, which we know is in the works and mm-hmm. probably coming soonish because he's had a lot of festival appearances. So, uh, yeah. but hey, Drake could release another album next year. It's Drake, you know. Yeah, he could release one like probably two months if he wanted to. It'd be fire, and people would listen to it. But, anyways, uh, we talked about a lot of music today. If you want to listen to our favorite cuts, check out our Nostalgia Best of 2021 playlist on Spotify. We're going to be talking TV and movies tomorrow, or you'll, you'll get it at some point this week. So it's yeah. going to be Shang Chi, couple of the chair, what we do in the shadows, Annette, and Baby Keem's albums coming out next week. So we'll get talk about that soon. I also got to uh, Worth on Netflix, which uh, nice. Michael Michael Keaton. So I'll, I'll talk about that tomorrow as well. But yeah, hit that subscribe if you're on YouTube.com slash NostalgiaPod. Go to Twitter, follow us at NostalgiaPod, and uh, let us know what you think about these albums. Which one was your favorite? I'll see you next week. Yeah.